Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Crossan, and I'm here to help you build a brand, make an impact, and have some fun on social media. I'm the owner of Fun Love Media, a social media management and content creation agency in Houston, Texas. I'm a wife, a mom of two, and when I'm not working or with my family, you can find me on my Peloton bike or tread, dancing on social media, or cuddle up with wine watching reality television. Please know that the show could include some grown-up language here or there. <laughs> Let's get started. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, episode 172. I'm your hostess, Brittany Crossan. I always giggle a little, sometimes out loud, sometimes in my head when I say, yo, 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 welcome to the show, because let's face it, it's really cheesy, but I do like a little cheese. <laughs> and I don't know where that came from. Like, when did I start doing that? I, it's a long time ago. Um, but you know, it rhymes and I love a rhyme. So we're just going to keep going with it. Welcome to another episode today. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, my guest is going to talk to you about something that I don't normally talk to you about, which is selling because she is an expert at that. So that's going to be fantastic. Um, and really, really helpful information, like stuff you can actually like write down and be like, do this, this, and this, like she gives detailed instructions and suggestions. Um, so that's cool. Uh, that's coming up here in, in just a second. Um, but I wanted to share that my husband and I recently finished watching Harry and Megan, the Netflix docu series. And actually it came up with my guest, uh, when we were chatting, but, um, I, loved it. Okay. Look, I am not even like a Royal family fan person. Cause I know that's a thing, right? There's people that have just like loved, um, the Royal family, you know, so much and keep up with all the things. I just know the general things that most people know. That's pretty much it. Um, but I do love a docuseries. That's like, like this kind of vibe, right? Like we've got like successful people, smart people doing interesting things with their lives. Like that's the kind of thing I like. And we watched it. It was so good. Um, it was scandalous. <laughs> I don't know much about the British media, but shit, the things they shared in that about them was um, hardcore. And I was telling Ryan, it's kind of funny that my husband, Ryan, that it's such a big deal over there. These these tabloids and like, um, the, the newspapers and like being on the cover and being on the homepage and stuff, but like, it's not even a part of my life here. And there's probably so many of you that are like that. Right. So it's like totally irrelevant to my life, but over there, it makes such a big impact. And they clearly made her life a living hell for a long time. So, um, it's just kind of interesting how in pockets all over the world for all kinds of people, you just never know what people are going through. So it's a really cool one. Um, but I, I had to share that we loved it. And I loved seeing like the behind the scenes of like how we do this and how we go with, go do this with the queen. And we do this responsibility. And, and this is actually scripted, even though it looks like it wasn't. And oh, it was so good and so juicy. I was so into it. Um, <laughs> anyway, I wanted to share that with you. If you like that kind of thing, definitely go watch it on Netflix and you'll hear that um, that does come up here with my guests. So, all right, let's get the show started. Today's guest is teaching online business owners the art of sales so they can go from crippling to confident. She's here to tell us how we can use social media polls as lead generation. And a fun fact, the first novel she read was about Star Trek. <laughs> Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, Candace D'Angelo. 
Hi, Candice. <laughs> hey, Brittany, how are you? I'm good. I'm laughing, everyone, because we were having some technical difficulties, but we're here. Um, I'm so glad that you're that you're here. You have Thank some you. really cool business stuff to share with us about lead generation and social media polls and all the fun stuff that everybody's going to want to hear. But before we dive into that, I just want to hear more about you. I want you to tell us about your background, where you're from, and and let us get to know Candice. Great. Thank you so much for asking about that. That's, that's very, that's part of sales, right? Like not a sales technique, however, it's really important to be able to connect with the people that you're, that you're allowing in your space. And that could mean personal space, but also business space. So thank you for asking for that. And I want to encourage everybody to, to learn your people and your circle on a very personal level. So I'm Candice D'Angelo. My maiden name is Cromarty and I'm born and raised in South Florida and I am a dying breed, literally. There are no Floridians lit around. Um, and the ones that are, 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 are very few in between because this is a very transient place. Um, and I appreciate that because one of the messages that we're really trying to spread is a sense of belonging. And you know, there's a lot of talk about DE and I, but we want to add a B to it. We want to add D E and I and B, which is belonging and belonging is a, a feeling belonging is not like a place or a person or, you know, a statement. It's a feeling. And I, I really genuinely feel like we should all feel like we belong to whatever it is we want to belong to. And so growing up as a biracial female in the eighties and nineties, there weren't a lot of kids like me. So as we started, you know, as the pandemic hit and we started talking more about DE and I, and we started talking more about like inclusivity and equity and diversity, we weren't really talking about belonging, right? Like belonging means everybody just like inclusivity does, but in a different way. And now more than ever, I do feel like I belong and I want to, I want to lead that message. So born and raised in South Florida. I'm a girl of three kids, two boys, um, middle child syndrome for sure. Uh, which is probably what, <laughs> probably what Same. makes me <laughs> super <laughs> ambitious. Cause I feel like I have to compete against my brothers, but not only that for space. So belonging is not just a word. It's definitely something that like I am accustomed to being driven towards is a sense of belonging. Right. That's so cool. Thanks for sharing that. First of all, same here, middle child, two brothers. Oh. Um, so I understand that life and yes, very ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I love what you, I love that you brought up your upbringing and, and you're talking about belonging. Like that's really powerful. And you're right. Like we just don't hear that as much as other stuff. And I, this might be a cliche thing to ask you because she's all over TV right now, but are you a Meghan Markle fan? I was just... <laughs> I was, well, I was just learning so much from her perspective because my husband and I literally last night, um, finished watching their Netflix series, her, Harry and Megan. And it was just really cool to get okay. like, I mean, the whole thing was very interesting, of course, but like yeah. to get that behind the scenes perspective from her as a biracial woman as well. It was cool. Yeah. So I haven't seen the, the docuseries yet, which I, I feel like I, I feel like I need to because of that belonging. Right. But also there weren't, a, she's 
gosh, she's probably 20 years younger than me. So like she came in at a much later time, sure. um, but being biracial, like her mother's black, her, mo- her father's white. And then mine are the opposite. My mother's white, my father's black. And I would, I think I need to look at that and, and really, you know, put, put, put her lens on, but I am a fan of Meghan Markle and probably because of that. Um, I think that she's in a very unique position, I'm glad that she's speaking out about it and just being able to use that platform to be a voice. I also know that there's a fine line um, and how you say things, right? Like just if you're keeping in mind and in tune and not being tone deaf, then you're great, right? But if you're being tone deaf and you're saying things that might might not put you in the best light. You're not helping me out. (laughs) So we have to be very conscious of the messaging that we spread. And I think that it's, I think it's really great that, gosh, she's a princess. What? Yeah. No, like (laughs) I never thought, I mean, come on, growing up in the eighties and nineties, there was who Snow White, Cinderella, (laughs) like who was the first, who, what, what is, um, I forget her name, but there was one Disney cartoon that had the Indian, the Indian princess. Oh yes. Um, but now I'm at a blank. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, geez. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I so, and that was the closest thing until we started getting into like, you know, like the two thousands, I think it was where it was like princess Tiana. And now we're seeing yeah. just like oh, this, the representation of diverse, diverse women. So it's a really great time to be diverse, but also like to not feel like you aren't one in the same, right? Like, so there's, for me, there's this fine line, right? When we talk about like standing out as a diverse woman and then, and then, so there's a struggle constantly with me, right? Like, am I leaving out my white family when I'm like trying to be a voice for the black side of my family? I really, there's always this struggle that you're not, if you're choosing to talk about one, you're not representing the other. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Of course that makes total sense. Um, but, but I'm with you. I, I, I love how, I mean, it's just very obvious to me just because I'm old enough to remember the comparison, (laughs) but, but I, I, it's very obvious to me that I am seeing, uh, more of diversity, more of a variety of just people in general, just like literally in general, like I mean, name it, I, I'm seeing it, uh, yeah. whether it's television or a real life event or, you know, whatever. And it's really fun and cool and interesting and hearing everybody's perspectives. And to me, it's very exciting. So I'm glad, I'm glad for that because you're right. Like whenever we were little, that, that just wasn't the case, no, you know? Not yeah. All. I feel that, that reminds me of this, um, uh, this scene in the, the Selena movie with JLo. I don't know if you ever watched it back in the day yes. where, where the dad's like, we're not Mexican enough for the Mexicans. <laughs> we're not American enough for the Americans or whatever he said. It, yeah. It was, it was, um, but it, Hey, it's, it's understandable. Well, yeah. thanks for sharing that. I love that. Yeah. I know so many people are going to like really connect with that in that point of view and can relate to it in one way or another. So that's cool. So, okay, let's fast forward to how did you get into the kind of work that you're doing now where you're really helping people with sales and everything? Like how, how did that start? Yeah. I, I, had my first child, Alexander, and I was working at a recruitment agency here in town and they closed 
And I didn't want to go, I didn't want to put my child in daycare and then go sit at the desk working a job that I hated. And then knowing that the school was going to call and he's sick, he's this, he's that. And I didn't want to have to like, have to ask for time off. So I needed a job that offered me flexibility, but I wanted my dream job and it was in sales. And I wanted to be a medical sales rep. You know how we always see like people walking in, the reps get to go behind the door and they get all this access. And I was like, man, I want that. And I found this crappy job that paid nothing, but I was like, in love. And I was, it was this medical sales. It was entry-level medical sales job. And I was like, please, I was like begging my husband because like, it wasn't going to pay the bills. Maybe it would have paid for daycare and that might've been it. And he let me do it. And not that he like, let me do it, but like when you're married, you make mutual decisions. So of course, of course. this job and yeah. And the first year, literally, I don't know how I survived that job. And they kept me on. And now I know because it's like to recruit another person takes so much time. It's just easier to to coach me and mentor me. I literally got written up all the time. Literally got <laughs> every month. They were like, why aren't you hitting your numbers? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and so they, but they put me in an area that had like nothing. I had to build it from the scratch up. So um, fast forward, had more kids. And I think I reached a point in that career where I had been, successful many times over. I had established myself as like the rep. People still message me and they're like, you're the best rep we've ever had. Um, people have come and gone since you. And it's just a really validating feeling to validate my ambition that I can be put in any situation and be able to, to succeed. And I had more kids and I knew that there was more potential for me, but I also knew that like in my corporate structure, it was m- mainly men higher up. There was one woman who was a regional manager. The rest were males, men. And I'm good with that, but I just knew that like my managers, they had been there for so long. And if they, if I was going to move up, they had to quit all the bureaucracy of corporate. So I left and I started my own thing and I was coaching one-on-one for a long time. I remember first client, I was charging $50 an hour, which is fine. I was like, wow, I'm making $50 an hour, but I'm not paying my bills still. So, um, (laughs) so four years into it, I created the selling lab and we create custom made trainings for businesses, sales teams, you name it. We, we write them and we take real foundational skills that I learned through experience, but also through my clients' struggles and wins and my coaching them. And then we've kind of coupled that into some really great um, foundational skills and trainings. And that's where we are right now. That is so cool. I didn't, I didn't know that about, about the selling lab and how it worked. I wasn't sure. Mm. Like what, what, you know, exactly how you were doing it or how you were educating people. So you're able to work with like different kinds of teams, whatever, whatever they're doing, I guess, but Mm -hmm. in their, in their industry, but like you're helping teach them like you're, um, okay. So we're writing sales curriculum for businesses. So, um, yeah, so there's not enough of that. And there's so many layoffs going on right now in, in a lot of corporate structures that people are starting to find a heavy need for 
sales trainings to be able to keep hold of their businesses, but also from a corporate perspective, but also from a solopreneur perspective and freelancer perspective, like people have to be able to generate sales to keep their business. And what we found is the last couple of years, a lot of people have like really put a lot of money into their marketing marketing, marketing sexier, marketing is more yeah. fun. People don't want to actually like sell right now. We're finding that people are like, okay, you were right. <laughs> I need to know I, how to do this. I need to know how to sales skills will teach you how to generate income on demand. So marketing cool. can't do that. Right. So cool. And I feel like it's rare. You, you might agree to find people, businesses, organizations, whatever, that, that are really, really like equally great at both. Like it doesn't, <laughs> cause I'm, I obviously I'm in marketing. And if, if I feel like, like I might meet somebody, for example, that already, I know for sure, I can see the proof. They have this successful business. They might be making a, the business might be doing like a ton in revenue, like seriously, yeah. really cool stuff going on, but like their marketing sucks or I'll see, right. op- or I'll see opposite, uh, you know, it, it's, but it's so cool to think that you can learn both and you, yes, <laughs> and you, you should need to learn both. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's an interesting perspective that you said that you have to learn marketing. I think that, that maybe we're focusing on the wrong part of the sentence. I think the focus should be the learning part rather yeah. than like what you're learning, but just your, your willingness to learn it, to be able to do it yourself. Right. That's going to be the difference between you being able to survive in a need of survival moment and then thrive. Like there's a difference and all of our businesses ebbs and flow. That's just what they do. We have different seasons. We have different times of the year that we have better income and revenue months, but we have to be able to know how to survive during those lower months during a pandemic. Like ask yourself, can you survive right now if a pandemic hit again? Right. Right. Yeah. That's important. Okay, cool. So let's make the connection between what you do and what I do basically. So sales and social media and what you were going to help us with today is something that I feel like can be simple, but also can, can mess with our minds and confuse us too. So we're talking about (laughs) polls on social media and everybody out there listening, you you've probably seen it before, whether you've seen it in somebody's Instagram stories, or you've seen it on their LinkedIn posts, you know, you can poll people, you can give them options and say, which one would you pick or whatever? That's what we're talking about. But you're saying that you can use that tool that's built into some of these social media platforms as like lead generation to actually start, you know, moving in that sales direction. How, how the hell do we do that the the right way? (laughs) Ta-da, that's what this is about, right? So I, I love that you said, let's marry the two because that's exactly what it is. Using the poll as a tool is a marketing tool. It is a marketing tool and, it, and we're going to use that tool to market our business to generate leads for us to be able to sell our services to. So if we combine every both what we do, that's what this podcast episode is about. So if you're okay with it, I'll go ahead and just dive right in. Yeah, I'm ready. Awesome. So a lot of times people don't really, they know it's a tool. It's a great tool. How do I use it effectively in my business to generate leads? And the great thing about polls is that it'll do just that if you use it strategically enough. So there is a formula that I use to be able to use polls to generate leads. And you have to do it in a way that feels more like a sandwich 
rather than a direct hit. So let's talk about what that formula looks like. We want to make sure that our potential leads are don't feel like they're going to get pitched. So that's what that sandwich comes in with, right? Like a lot of the, and then an ineffective way to use a poll is, Hey, do you use, do you use, uh, are you a coach that charges high ticket? Some people, because they want to talk about themselves will hit yes, but others that don't want to talk about themselves or don't want to be pitched to won't answer that. Cause it feels very direct. It feels like you're going to pitch me after that. Oh, totally. So, yeah. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is decide on what is the offer that you have that you want your potential lead to become a buyer in that offer. So make sure you have one offer in your focus, not your service and what you do, but one offer particularly, because at that point, you're going to look at what qualifies my buyer to purchase this offer. Okay. So there has to be qualifications, right? And we're going to use those qualifications in our question. Oh, okay. You know cool. what I mean? So yeah. it, give me an example. What's one of your offers? Um, well, in my agency, we just put together video content packages okay. like where you can buy a package and you get like eight videos and we do this and that, you know? Okay. So which pick one of your video content packages? The um, Let's see the one for, um, a thought leader. So it's an individual with a personal brand and they want to have more like professional, awesome looking videos to share on social media. And they want to get their voice heard and be like a leader in their industry. Awesome. So there's a very specific qualifier. They have to identify with the two words, thought leader. They yeah. either have to identify in a way that they, that is a goal of theirs or that is who they are. It's one of the two, right? So I then go, okay, who do I want? And it could go either way. So let's say I want somebody that wants to be identified as a thought leader, but doesn't know how. So they can fall in. One of those people can fall into that offer package. So I'm going to set up my strategic polls. The first one's going to be very vague because that's going to set the tone for them to feel like they can answer you without feeling like you're going to pitch. So the step number one in the formula is something like this. I don't know about you, but January has been absolutely bananas. Let me know in this poll, if you feel the same way, yes or no, you're not doing anything with that information, but okay. it starts the engagement process. Sales yeah. is a yes ladder, right? Yes. It's been bananas. So they click on that. Great. They're more inclined to see what else you got. They're already engaged. Yeah. Second story with your poll. So this is step number two. This one is going to be very specific to get your leads, your potential leads to show themselves. This second poll is going to say something like, if you've mapped out your 2023 vision or your vision board or your goals, does thought leadership fall into that category? Okay. Or something even less to the point and targeted. Do you know what thought leadership means or what does thought leadership mean to you? And use the question and use the question. Okay. So you're getting them to start. Okay. What does that mean to me? Whether they answer or not, I will tell you polls are a lot more effective than the question box. 
the, the easier you can make it for somebody yeah. just to push a button rather than like <laughs> have to fill something out, you're going to get much more, but much better response. So let's say that you give them three different options to define thought leadership, which by the way, all of them count. They're just worded a little bit differently. So whoever clicks is somebody who's already have thought yeah. of this. Okay. So that first, that poll right there, you're going to start documenting. Okay. This person answered, this person answered, this person answered. The next poll is going to be, have you created a thought leader or do you find it hard to create content around thought leadership? Okay. Yeah. Then do you use video? So it just really keeps that. It's very strategic in the steps that they take and they're all, everyone that answers those are all leads. It's your job now to do something with them. I always recommend a personalized voice note. So that second step. So let's say that I respond to your poll. Yes, it's on my vision board. I think thought leadership is this. Um, I do, I want to create more videos, right? Like you want to have various stages of what that person might be in, in your polls. Yes, I want to create videos, but I don't have the time or don't know how I click on that. Obviously I'm a pretty good candidate because I've selected all of the three things that qualify me for this particular offer. Right. You're going to reach out to me, not right away. You're going to reach out to me with a personalized voice note. And it's going to say something like this. Hey, Candace. Brittany here. Thank you so much for responding to my poll. So many people have responded with the same thing that you did. I just want to reach out. Instagram can be spammy at times. I wanted you to hear my voice. I wanted you to have a personalized voice note because you took the time to answer my poll. So thank you for that. And then ask a question that continues on the conversation. Nothing to the point, I think where people, Brittany, where people make the biggest mistake and not, not to their fault at all, they keep thinking about the end goal from the start, which is that yeah. conversion, that sale, you know, like that pressure. And that just adds pressure. I tell everybody that I've coached from day one is don't even think about the sale. In all honesty, sales are, should be like just a byproduct and something that happens naturally after you do all of the things in the beginning. <laughs> you never really have to sell if you get comfortable with yourself and asking questions. I think that's one of the barriers is people are afraid to ask a question. Right. Do you think that in this process that you're talking about, yeah. is there a place to have an ask, meaning you're asking, do you want to buy my thing? Or is there not, mm-hmm. and you do it some other way just to make it really clear, especially for somebody out there that's never done this before that doesn't yeah. know what the hell to do. Yeah. It's, um, I have, so I do a lot of critiques for people to submit screenshots of their DM conversations and they go in too fast, too early. Ah, okay. And I do believe that through practice, and that's the one thing that I want to, I really want to bring home and I want everybody to bring home is that use every single conversation in your mind as practice. That's when I, that's how I went from sucking at sales <laughs> to being like a superstar and being able to leave is I took even my most seasoned accounts as practice. Okay. And just using that and taking your time, take your time. So the conversation will show itself. 
and, and when it's the right time. Right. And honestly, if the conversation is going well, they're going to ask you before you even have to ask them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You, that you just said, take, take your time, mm-hmm. man, is that hard? Talk, <laughs> talk to us about that. I, look, we, Cause we're in a time, as you know, where, where with social media, um, things are quick. Um, like the most popular videos these days are pretty short, <laughs> like yeah. 15 seconds, um, intention span. And we want what we want when we want it, um, which is a human thing probably. So talk to me about, um, what you think it, how, how can someone get to where they're more patient with the process yet? They're still taking action. Is it a mindset shift? Is it a, you just, got to screw up a couple of times and feel that rejection and realize that you need to calm the hell down. Like how can we get in that state of mind of having patience while still taking action? Yeah, that's a really great question. And one that is worth spending a little bit of extra time on because it could be, it could be various things and it's all up to the learner or up to the person that we're right now. So who's on the receiving end of this message and how they learn best. Some of us learn best by learning the hard way and being rejected several times. And, and rejection is good. Only if you take that back to why we call it the selling lab, you take it back to the lab and you go over and you dissect that entire scenario and you dissect everything that happened from beginning to end. And you make yourself accountable and you say, how could I have done that differently? What could I have done? And nine times out of 10, it's the fear of rejection that holds people back. Yeah. So asking why is a very powerful chess move in sales. Why do you think that's important? Why do you feel that way? Why, you know, Really taking a minute to ask yourself what your next question should be. Okay. Okay. That slows you down. Okay. Yeah. That does make sense. And it's, it's cool that you say like, learn from the rejection. Like, it's okay. Like calm down, just take that scenario. Like you said, dissect it and learn from it. Cause if we don't learn from it, it's, it's a waste, but if you do, then it's, it's fantastic. So, okay, cool. So am I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So no, you're good. <laughs> I just thought that that would be really helpful to know. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what, so is that, is that where you think you leave it? Like, do you, is there, when you're dealing with this particular situation and polls and things, and you feel like then you kind of have that conversation in the DMS, like what happens after that? Mm-hmm. Does, mm-hmm. It depends on your offer. Okay. So I have a rule of thumb. If it's over a thousand dollars, it, it, deserves the respect of a sales call. A thousand dollars to one person might just be like, you know, funny money, but to a lot of people, a thousand dollars is a lot of money. A thousand dollars to a mom means something different than somebody who is single with no kids and, you know, goes out to dinners in Mykonos, you know, all the time, you know, it means different. So don't assume that because we're in different times that a thousand dollars doesn't, doesn't mean that it means the same thing to you and to somebody else, a rule of thumb, have a sales call. So I think what you're asking is like, how do you know when to pivot to that point to ask for the call? Right. And everybody's going to be a little bit different and not just in personality, but like, let your buyer give you the signals and they're not always clear signals. Right. 
I've had some, and let me give you an example for some DM conversations that I've critiqued. Hey, do you mind? I saw your social media account looks great, but do you mind if I give you a few pointers? And the buyer never even asked. The potential lead never even asked for like help. But the person on the other end was so like, um, you know, like really excited. They wanted to get the sale. They wanted to prove to themselves that they could do it. We get in our own way. I remember in my outside sales career and how I transferred all of this knowledge into in, in online sales was the more volume in conversations you have, the less like picking at one wound you'll have because you have so many that like now the pressure's off when you're only having one to maybe three to five conversations. Yeah. You're going to feel like every conversation needs to hit, but if you're having podcast interviews, you're having sales calls next week, you're having conversations in the DMS, you're, you're going on a networking event next week. When you have a variety of ways that you're generating leads and you have your lead tracker that you are working, it's not just sitting there collecting like electricity, then you're not so fidgety on one conversation. That is such a good point. And it's so, so true. Like from my experience too, I'm tr- I'm thinking back on times where there was, you know, a lot, a lot going on, a, a lot of people potentially wanting to work with us and, and asking questions and, you know, all the things. And it just, it did, it felt like less pressure on each individual potential. It felt like the stakes weren't so damn high. Um, every single time, like, this is the one I need this one sale, you know, um, it feels, it feels nice. And, and plus it's exciting to have lots of conversations and stuff happening. Right. Like that's fun. Yeah. I think it, 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 there's more, it's what we call momentum in sales. It's like having that momentum, And if I could just give you, like, go back to your question, because I think a lot of the audience right now is like, but what's the sign? What are the signs? Like, how will I know when to ask? Like there, that's the thing. And I think that whole thought process is the thing that's getting in the way. Like when somebody, when you have, you're in the DMs, a lead has presented themselves as a qualifier, right? Like they qualify for your offer and you guys are in conversation if they are answering you with like one word answers, taking days to get back to you and they're answering one word answers, they're not interested, but it's okay to like stay visible, like their stories, comment on things that are applicable to you and and relatable and you can translate, right? Don't overly fangirl someone (laughs) because you want them to buy from you. That's just obnoxious. No one likes that. You don't like that. They're not going to like that. And as long as you stay top of mind, then you just, it's a, it could be a long game. I will tell you, there's a difference between easy sell and a hard sell. Instagram is a hard sell. Instagram is a hard sell. And I think the reason why we even have this topic that we're talking about right now is because so many people on the platform make it look so easy that we feel like we're not doing something right. And we're missing all of the cues because they don't look like someone else's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. It it is hard to sell on Instagram. It is. I agree with you 100%. 
Yeah, it really is. I tell, I used to tell my one-on-one, my private clients, we're not saving lives unless you are saving a life, unless you are offering something that is saving a life, it is not critical. So like they had to kind of like put that into perspective for themselves and say, you know, you're right. I'm, I'm not selling breathing machines. Right. I'm not selling. I can't think of the names of those, the, that pumps your heart. Oh back. yes. The shock. You know, is, yes. yes. I know. <laughs> if, unless you're selling those to uh, a fire department. Right. It's not that it's not that urgent to the other person. Yeah. I mean, even if you think like that, that's another thing I always notice. Like we think our thing is so important because that's our thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's our our business. So I might think, well, of course, social media is so important and you should have content created and you should be sharing and but it's because that's what my world is. And that's, what's on my mind. It's not as important to the other person. It's just not. Yeah. It's not. And honestly, when it does become important, you've done your job. If you've done your job well enough to just stay on top of mind, they're going to, they're going to come to you. I've even had, I had someone who was great at design. Like she was so good at design and we had been having conversations, but she was so timid that I forgot about her. And I posted that I was like, I need somebody to do my website. And then she slid into my DM. She's like, Hey, how about me? I was like, Oh yeah. But we had had so many like non, they weren't even memorable conversations, but the reason why I chose her is because she asked and we at least had conversations. Yeah. She wasn't a total stranger out of nowhere. You had something. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. They'll come around whenever, but I didn't remember her right away even though we were having these conversations. Right. So like what I'm trying to say is you can't be salesy. Like in my, maybe that's my world, but I don't believe you can be salesy because she came out. She's like, I can do it. And I was like, oh yeah. And I hired her and she's done all my branding, all my <laughs> iterations of branding, two websites. Like she's done a million projects for me all because she asked. Right. That's cool says something, I think. Right. It really does. Um, okay. We have just a few more minutes. So I want to make sure, um, that we, we squeeze everything in. So what do you think would be like, I mean, we've already talked about a couple of them maybe. So I was, cause I wanted to ask you like some standouts on some don'ts and things that you're seeing that is like, don't do it because it's hard. That's a hard thing to face, but a lot of us have probably done a lot of the don'ts. So we've already talked about the desperation and like stalking them on social media, (laughs) like don't be that person. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anything else that comes to your mind that you've seen people do that ends up being a mistake most of the time that we might should avoid or be aware of when we're trying to sell? So we covered the thinking about the sale from the start, right? So that's the, one of the bigger major ones. Um, I'm one of which, those optimistic people, it's like, which, you- which is so crazy that you said that because I'd never heard it explained like that. How you said when we're in this process and having conversations and seeing if they're a qualified buyer that we're just thinking about the sale, the sale, the sale, getting it done, getting it done. And you're so right. No, I've never had anybody say it to me like that before. And it's not even, I don't, it's not like a malicious thing. It's just this thing that your brain does. How do we get it? How do, how can we not do that? 
(laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Is it, is it really all about mindset? Is it all about just like, get your mind in the right spot, chill out. So I think that's also a very like broad term, a broad way to say it, but I think having that internal dialogue to be able to say to yourself in those moments, Hey, pump your brakes, just relax for a second. Like, don't even think about the sale. And I've had a lot of students have a lot of success and in moving the needle, um, just not thinking about the end result because it can ruin your experience. It ruins the buyer's experience. It ruins your energy and the buyer picks up on that energy and it just feels very forced. Um, a lot of people will feel icky and, and they use the analogy, like a car salesman, like a used car salesman, but I don't know about you, but car sales salesmen, they still sell cars. You've bought a car from a dealership, haven't you? So what's really so wrong about it? If you end up buying from them anyway, it's like still what's working really wrong about it. <laughs> yes. So I think that, I think what they're trying to say though, is being able to ask the right questions, right? Like in, in depending on your ticket. So there's various ways and it all depends on your ticket. Are you selling high ticket, large sales? Are you selling low ticket, small sales? Because there are different questions for each volume. And I think like assuming the sale is not a bad idea. You don't, you can just speak in that way. So as you can see here, Brittany, I've, I've put these packages together. So when we, when we start working together or on our kickoff call, we're going to do this. And so speaking in terms where you're really verbally pulling that buyer to make a decision, to invite them to make a decision is a little different than thinking, okay, uh, I need them to say, yes, I need them to say, yes, I need them to say, yes. Um, what can I say that sounds good to them? Um, these are all the thoughts that they're having. So what I would say to our audience today is start writing down all the thoughts that you have in, in make that makes you feel very anxious when you're in a selling situation. What is that dialogue that's playing in your mind? Write that down, start taking documentation, have a moment with yourself prior to each call and say, okay, what do I want to do with these thoughts? So when thought A comes up, what am I supposed to tell myself instead? What am I supposed to say to myself instead? I got to a point where I was like just shooing thoughts out of my mind. I was like, just staying focused. Um, Let the buyer talk. That's really going to help you not, not think about the sale. Let them talk. Just let them, let them talk, be a good listener and mirror back what they said to you. Right. Okay. They want to know that you heard them. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That gives us actionable stuff that we can go and do. And that way we can always improve. It's just, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crappy selling (laughs) attempts happening out there in social media land. And we don't want to be, um, committing those selling crimes anymore. (laughs) I know back in the day I did, and I'm sure so many people listening have done it too, but, um, um, well, we're almost out of time. So I want to make sure and tell everybody where they can find you, how they can learn more about you and what you do and how you can help them at the selling lab. But of course, we'll also put it all in the show notes as well. Absolutely. So I want to invite everybody to join the community. We are launching the selling lab community, uh, the beginning of February, and it's going to be a a space where you can feel like you belong, where you don't have to spend $10,000 for sales trainings. We will have free trainings. We're going to have subject matter experts come in and coach you on different topics and how it relates to sales. So we can, we can all have a place where we can come together 
and feel like we belong. So I hope that you join us in the community and that's coming soon. Sweet. Okay, good. Well, we'll make sure and put all your links in the show notes so everybody yes. can come and, and join your community. That's really cool. I'm I'm happy that you're doing that. You know, I lead a community and um, it's just one of the most special things about my business. So I hope you have the same um, experience, you know, thank being, you. It's such a good feeling. So that's yeah. awesome. Um, thank you so much, Candice. Yeah. No, thank you. Being on, this is so helpful for all of us. So we're not going to do any more crappy sales stuff on social media, y'all. No we're more selling get our shit together and we're going to do it right. <laughs> no more awesome. selling crimes. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you Brittany. so much. Thanks for listening to today's show, y'all. For more information about the podcast, go to socialsunshinepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to the Social Sunshine Podcast YouTube channel. For more information about me, go to brittanycrossin.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. The Social Sunshine Podcast is a Fun Love Media production. Funlovemedia.com. Bye.